Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Yay. All right, thank y'all so much. You can sit down. Sorry, my face of freak out was because I'm like, I need a thing, this podium or whatever it's called. Don't be scared of the big knife. We're gonna go somewhere. How y'all doing? Oh, that was weak, really? Come on. Hey, I've been at Riot Retreat with some incredible middle school students. How, how, if you went to Riot Retreat this week, if you're middle, oh look, or you were a leader this week, raise your hand. Awesome, was it not incredible? Like I know we're in sub 30, but I just gotta give a shout out, shameless plug to them. If you guys don't have a place to serve on Wednesday nights, you guys, you need to get involved because God is doing some incredible things in their hearts and they need you to show them they need you to lead them to God the way that you've been led, okay? So thank you, Pastor Clay, and to the incredible Sub30 team and Bethany for um, allowing me to speak tonight. Like whenever you, I feel like you give a chick a microphone, like it's always sketch. You're just really not sure what you're gonna get. My husband's like nodding on the front row because he knows I can talk, not my problem. So tonight I'm so excited to share with you guys. And I feel like I always get the question, people are like, oh, your family's so perfect. Oh, they're so cute. But tonight I wanted um, to show you what we really, are like. So I came across this gem of a picture that I really want to show you because I feel like it sums them all up without me telling you about them. Oh yeah, put that up. There you go. So as you can see, my youngest is making that face because our oldest had just pinched her. Ryan's getting on to her for doing that. Lindsay is just one in the glasses. I don't know what she's doing. And then Taylor is just laughing. So this is like constantly my life. I live with four girls and a man. And it is always entertaining. It's always fun. And I'm thankful for them. I love you guys. They're gonna kill me for that picture because I totally didn't tell them about it. So I will expect payback at some point. But let's get into that. You know, speaking of love tonight, I wanna talk about love. And I think it's hilarious that that's even what Pastor Clay was speaking about during the altar because man, I just cannot wait to share just some truth with you about that. You know, when I think about the definition of love, an attachment or a devotion or a God, a personification of love. But the problem with love is so many different things come to mind when I say that word. When I say that, for some of you, you're like, I wanna be in love, I wanna get married. For some of you, it's like, I don't wanna be in love, I don't like this person anymore, but we're in it. So for some of you, you think of love and you think of maybe past pain or you think of you've been hurt by love. And the problem with that is when we, we see through this filter of love, it's very difficult for us to receive God's love and for us to even understand his love and the way that he loves us because we've been tainted, because we've been disappointed, because we've been hurt. Does that make sense? And because of that, we can actually start to believe half truths about God's love and not even realize it, and we can start to agree with those things. But tonight I wanna break all that down. And so I've entitled my message tonight, Real Love. Thank you, Hillsong. It's a great title, they did great. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for tonight. I'm just so grateful for everything that you've done for us, Lord, and I just believe that tonight you're gonna pour out your love in a fresh way on every person. I pray that our eyes would be open, God, and our ears would hear you, and that the truth of your love would set us free tonight, that you would remind us who we are, who we're called to be, and what you say about us, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. All right, I want you to break out your Bibles. Let's turn to 1 John 4. 
And I'm gonna read 1 John 4, 7 through 19. I know it's a lot, but I gotta get through all of that to get to the context. And I'm gonna be reading out of the message version. So if you're in King James, don't be afraid. It's all good. You can read your King James Bible. Okay, you guys got that up? Here we go. All right, 1 John 4, 7 says this. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. And this is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage that they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God ever, but if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us and his love becomes complete in us, perfect love. And this is how we know we're living steadily and deeply in him and he in us. He's given us life from his life, from his very own spirit. And we've seen for ourselves and continue to state openly that the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. And everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's Son participates continuously in an intimate relationship with God. And we know it so well that we've embraced it heart and soul. This love that comes from God. Verse 17 says, God is love. And when we take a permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. And this way, love has the run of the house. It becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free from worry on judgment day. And our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There's no room for love and fear. I'm sorry, there's no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear since fear is crippling, a fearful life. Fear of death, fear of judgment is not one yet fully formed in love. We though are going to love. We're gonna love and be loved. First we're loved and now we love because he loved us first. The Bible says that God is love. Love is a person, is personified. And when we start to view God's love from disappointment, from hurt, from pain, from tragedy, something happens to us and we start to ask Real important questions like, if you love me so much, then why would you let this happen to me? Anybody ever been there? And if we don't bring that question to Jesus, if we don't bring that question to him, if we bring that question to our friends, if we bring that question to those around us or even left to our own devices, do you know what happens? Then the enemy starts to come in and he feeds us half truths about God. And this is what he says. Has he ever, have you ever heard this before? He'll say things like, you can never please God. He'll say things like, God's about to take away anything from you that you love too much because it would compete with him. Or if you say something that you don't want to be, like a missionary, then God is going to make you do that job. Anybody ever grew up like that? I know I did. I used to be like, okay, Lord, I'll be a missionary, I really don't want to, but if I say this, maybe you won't make me do it, right? And, and what happens is, is that is personally true. Anybody ever had to do a job that you didn't love? I have, yes, but that's a half truth. Yes, God may ask us to do something that we may not love at that time, but in the big scheme of things, it's not something that he forces us to do our whole life. Do you see the difference? And the enemy's really good about twisting half truths. What about this? 
I need to be perfect before he will answer my prayers. And he cares more about me reaching people than he does about my own heart. Because that would be selfish, right? What about, there's only one plan for me and I have to figure it out and it's all relying upon me. And if I make one wrong turn, I'm doomed. Or God must be frustrated with how long it's taking me to become whole. He must be surprised that I'm human. Do you see how those small half truths, when we start to agree with those things, your view of God gets tainted. And you start to become disillusioned and you start to become hopeless and you start to become depressed because you think, wow, he really doesn't seem that good anymore. And we all have places where the enemy has twisted our views ever so slightly. We all do, we all do. But the Bible says that the enemy is the persecutor of our souls and that he's a liar. But see, the thing about lies is there's always a partial truth to a lie. Those lies actually can become and sound more powerful to us than what love is if we agree with those things. So what does the Bible say about our mouths? It says that there's life and death in the power of our tongue, right? So that means that I have been given the ability to speak life over situations, to believe the best about things, or I can speak death. I can be my own worst critic. I can say, I can even agree with what the enemy would tell me and I can say things, yeah, God, you must not really love me because you're letting this happen. Instead of bringing that pain to him and allowing him to heal it. And the thing is, some of us are even waiting on a big spiritual encounter when it comes to this. Like we think, you know, God's gonna have to slay us in the spirit. Somebody's gonna have to really give us a word in order for us to be set free from this, but that's not true. The Bible actually says that you, each of you, have been given the power to speak life over yourselves by confessing what the word of God says. And so some of us need to stop waiting on somebody else to set us free, and we need to get out our Bible, get out your you version, get out whatever it is that you are currently using for the word of God, and begin to speak over yourself what he says about you, even if you don't feel it, if you don't get a warm and fuzzy feeling inside and think, well, this may not be working. Let me tell you, the word of God never returns void, ever. It is not dependent on you. And as we confess what the word of God says over us, something happens. Our own hearts begin to believe what is being spoken over us. You were born for love. You were made for it. You know, I can remember a time, it was about eighth grade, Eighth grade is a rough season. I am so sorry for any of you middle schoolers that might be in the room. I, and I feel like I had, you know, I'd went through summer break and up until that point, felt pretty good about myself, okay? I was like, you know, I'm cute, I'm good. And something happened. My mother, I love her. Mom, if you're here tonight, I'm sorry. Uh, she let me convince her um, for me to get a perm. And I don't know if you've ever experienced a spiral perm in your life, but something unfortunate happens. You think, oh, it's gonna be glorious waves. No, it was like a poodle and it shrunk like three inches off of my hair and another tragic event happened within just a few days of that that I had to get new glasses. Um, and Yeah, exactly. Some of the girls are on right now because they know where this is headed. I had to get new glasses and this was in the 80s, so these were not cute. Like now big frames are in, like it's cool to look like a nerd. It was not cool then. 
It, like I did not look good, okay? It was like these big wire frames and they were like round, but they were real long and my face was real small and it was weird and bad. And it just so happens that in all of that time, somehow I managed to fall and bust my chin open and get braces. So I show back up at school. Yeah, exactly. See, all, yeah, Katie's like, that's horrible. I show back up at school. I have a perm that has gone wrong and it's frizzy and it's horrid. I have these glasses and braces and a busted chin with stitches on it. Not cute for school pictures that they make you take. And I remember showing up and thinking, this is so bad. And I'm totally, honey, I love you. I'm totally telling the story. Okay, and so my husband, who I knew back then, we had been dating, you know, like in middle school when you date. I don't even know what that means. We didn't do anything. Like my parents didn't let me go anywhere with him. Are you kidding me? So like, I would be like, we're dating. I love him. Um, I like made like a wood shop thing with his name and a heart, you know, like all that cool stuff. And he broke up with me. Yes, yes he did. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it wasn't just for any girl. No, 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 no. It was a long flowing blonde haired girl that looked like she had just stepped out of Baywatch, who is gorgeous. And here I am, depressed and lonely and thinking, this is never gonna end, this is horrible. And I remember crying myself to sleep. We're married now, it's good, I love you. He's so, he's, don't feel shame. And I remember crying myself to sleep. You know what I did that day? I actually remember making a vow to myself, an inner vow. I remember saying, I do not wanna feel like this ever again. I do not want to feel this pain. And so you know what I will do? I will pretend like this does not hurt me and I will stuff it. And I will pretend like you don't bother me. And actually, you know what? I think I'll be sarcastic because that, that way you won't really see what's happening inside of me. Anybody ever done that? The problem with that is over time, it became a coping mechanism. And instead of dealing with how I really felt, which was rejected, instead of dealing with what was really going on, I actually refused to shut out, I shut out love. And I was like, you know what? Mm -mm. I'm not gonna let you get close to me because I don't wanna feel that again because that hurt. But the problem is if we shut out pain, then we actually shut out love as well. You can't have one without the other. And I'm not saying that your life's gonna be full of pain, but what I am saying is when pain comes, until you know the pain, you would never know the love. Do you see what I'm saying? And if we look back at 1 John 4, 17, it says there's no room in love for fear because well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is not one fully formed in love. See, love has to become mature. Because love is God, you have to get to know God. You have to know his nature. You have to know who he is. And that is only formed through time and a relationship through foundation, and, and you build it. It's like stepping blocks. It's not something that happens just immediately overnight. So I wanna give you some truths about God's love tonight. Did you know that God doesn't love us equally, but he loves us uniquely? It's not the same, because if it was equally, then you could be replaced. But God's love is immeasurable. It's a unique love. And you know that word actually means soul representative of, you're the only one he loves like that. The only one. What about, did you know that he loved you so much 
that there's only one like you. Yes, even if you're a twin, there's only one like you. You're a prototype. There's no one else like you. He didn't make anybody the same and he, you're irreplaceable to him. Did you know that he loves you without comparison? That there's no competition for your place in God's heart. That he's not comparing you to someone else. He's not checking off the list like Santa Claus saying you're good or you're bad. He's not mad at you. He loves you. And he says, I'm happy right where you are. I'll take you however I can get you. What about this one? Did you know that his love isn't dependent on you loving him? We just read that back in verse nine, that he loved us first. He loved us knowing who we are, knowing all that we would do, and he still chose us. I think many times we wonder, okay, maybe we've went too far, God. Maybe I've actually, you know, I've extended the grace too much that you're not going to pull me back in. Like we'll say things like, okay, I know he'll forgive me if I lie, but what if I commit adultery? Or, or what if I murder? Or what if I do something really horrible to someone on purpose? Will you forgive that? And we actually can start to measure a sin like, well, I'm good if I'm only doing this sin, but I'm not good if I'm doing this sin. Here's the problem. Sin is equal at the foot of the cross, period, period. He doesn't view our sins as, well, your sin's really bad and your sin's, mm, I'll let it slide. You know what I'm saying? Like he literally paid for all sins, past, present, and future. Whoa, did you hear that? Future. Knowing what you would do, that Jesus already completed that. He took all the punishment for you, all the pain for you, everything that you would deserve. He said, you know what? I'm gonna put it on my son because I care so much about these people that I have created, that I place my image upon them. I've set my love upon them. And I said, you know what? You're worth it to me. You're worth it to me. And so many times we think we've gone too far. We think, God, how could you ever, oh, how could you ever take me back after this? And the enemy would bring shame to us and condemnation to us and try to make us actually run away from God's love when the whole time he's standing there with arms up wide saying, just bring it to me. Just bring it to me. I can handle it. And this is why we don't even have to fear every day that we're gonna lose our salvation. Anybody grew up in a church that you felt like every time the altar call was given for salvation, you better get to the front because you were unsure if you might've had some hidden sin that if you're, you forgot to confess, just me? No, yes, all the time. I literally got saved so much. I'm like, when people say, do you remember when you got saved? I'm like, I'm really not sure which time because I've done it so much. I'm really not sure. Yes, okay, honest moment, for real. But something happened. Once I fully understood God's love, once I fully understood, and it was not until about my 20s that I realized, you know what, I don't have to keep doing this. Yes, if I sin, yes, I confess it. Not from a judgment perspective, but from a fatherly perspective as I am sorry that I have broken your heart, God, and I am sorry that I've placed myself in this situation, but would you help me? Would you help me repent? Would you help me turn from this? There is a big difference, a big difference. He's not up in heaven throwing lightning bolts down at me and you because we don't have it together. Newsflash, he knows you're human. 
And here's the thing, if it was dependent on us, which first of all would be horrible, why did we even need Jesus? If it was something that we could earn back by good works, if it was something that we could somehow merit enough favor to gain back, why? Why put all that on Jesus if it was dependent on you and me? I don't know about you, but that takes a huge weight off my shoulders of thinking this thing does not rely upon me, thank God. It is on Jesus and that's all I have to rest in. Do you know that his love for you is unfailing? The Bible says in Lamentations 3.21, it says, hope returns when I remember this one thing, that the Lord's unfailing love and mercy still continue, fresh as the morning, as sure as the sunrise. Man, that's a promise. And do you know that his love isn't impatient or rushed? He's timeless. He doesn't end. He sees things in the scope of eternity. This is just a speck. So he's not sitting up there thinking, wow, I really thought you'd be further along by now. He, he literally is looking down at a loving father, like, a, like the loving father he is, and cheering you on. When my daughter was learning to walk, when she was only one, I didn't look at her and say things like, gee, Ella, kinda thought you'd be walking by now and pooping in the potty, I don't know. I, I, I didn't say those things to her, right? because she's one, because she wasn't able to do that yet. And when he sees you, he sees you through the eyes of grace and he says, you know what? That's okay that you're not there yet. I got all the time. I got all the time, come on. It's not too late. You can still get on board where I wanna take you. It's not too late. And the enemy has a really, really good line for this. And he almost wants to make us think that if somehow we didn't hear God right the first time and we missed it, that it's too late. You're done, too bad, you didn't hear God's will. Good luck with that. And when we believe that, we actually stop hearing the voice of God because we have agreed with a lie. And that's what we start to believe, not the truth of what God says. And so we've got to get really good at asking God things like, okay, Lord, I'm really, I'm, I'm having a hard time hearing your voice today. Can you please... Show me, show me in another way so I can understand you. He is patient, he is kind. He will speak to you in the way that you need, not the way that I need, the way that you need individually to each one of you, what you need to hear, he will speak to you. He's been communicating long before you and I have and he is willing to say it in a way that you need so you can get it. Thank you, okay. You know, I'm reminded of a story in the Bible of the prophet Hosea. And I actually love this story because it really paints a picture of how it was a time when Israel, man, they were at an earthly splendor, like things were going great for them. But the problem is they had forgotten about God. They had forgotten about him, their first love. And they had started worshiping other gods like Baal. And they really were not, they were just, they looked good on the outside, but inwardly it was not good. And the prophet Hosea, um, God says to him, I want you to go find a prostitute and I want you to marry her. And he goes and finds a woman and her name is Gomer and he finds her. He knew who she was. He knew she was in the town. He knew what she was about. He knew what she did and he marries her. Now he's a faithful man to God and God says, I want you to do that. He marries her. They actually have three children. And I can imagine at about this time, about the third child, Gomer just starts to get restless and I'm sure she began to feel worthless and think, man, I really don't deserve this. 
this kind of love that's been displayed to me, so it'd probably be a lot easier for me to go back out and go back to what I was doing because at least I knew my place there. At least I actually felt like I deserved that somehow because of all that I did. And she goes back out and Hosea continues to raise the kids on his own. And so little time, he actually calls out to God and says, Lord, what do you want me to do? God tells him, go buy her back. So he gathers up his silver and he, he goes out and he finds Gomer where she's been and he buys her back from the men that she had been with. And he takes her back home. He takes her back home and he loves her. He loves her. He does not ask her to do any of her wifely duties. He does not ask her to do anything like that. He literally just begins to care for her and love her and pour out lavishing love on her, even though clearly she didn't deserve it. She'd been unfaithful. And the Bible tells us that this is what he felt like about the, the children of Israel. That God said, you've, you've wandered away from me. You've, you've created other gods. You're not turning towards me, you've forgotten me, but I love you so much that I'm willing to buy you back that I'm willing to go after you. And I think that's a picture for all of us. I am a Gomer and you are too. That he is willing to go to the depths of the ends of the earth to find you, to buy you back, to even when you come to him and you go back into a life of sin and things that are harmful for you, he's still willing to come back and pull you back in and say, you know what, that's okay, come on, let me clean you up. He'll send people in your life that you didn't expect to show you love because he wants you to know that he loves you, that he's willing, he is willing to go after you even if you're just the one, even if you're just the one, you have a promise of love, a promise of love. Think about these apples. This apple's super shiny, looks real good on the outside. And that's like a lot of us. We say things like, oh, I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. Mm-hmm. No shame if you say that, you may mean it. But inwardly, we're saying, I really feel depressed and rejected. Or we put on a mask and be like, sticks and stones may never break my bones and words may never hurt me. Not true. Inwardly, your heart is like, I actually feel like you just punched me in the stomach because of what you just said to me. And you just crushed me. And, and we can look real good on the outside and we can think, okay, this is good, and we can, life can start to just beat us up, and it can start to just really just do hard things to us. We can experience tragedy, and like someone just, you know, knocking the wind. How about the death of a loved one unexpectedly that you didn't expect, or how about someone harming you when you didn't deserve it, and just like knives, it just like starts digging in the apple. It just starts, it just starts hurting it. But here's the thing about this apple. I'm gonna put the mic down so that I can cut it, so just hold up. Look at this apple. Not really pretty, right? Kind of brown, messy, kind of tore up. But you realize if I were to cut open the unharmed apple, it's the same seed, same exact seed in the middle. And even though we may have been broken, we may have been hurt, we may have felt disappointment, we may have ran far, far away. The same seed 
the same image of God is inside of each and every one of you. And if I planted this seed in the ground right next to the perfect apple seed, it'd still grow a tree. Still would grow a tree, regardless of what it's been through. And you know, tonight, I just believe that there's some people in the room that you need to experience the real, true love of God. Not what your friend told you about, not what you may have heard, but the real, 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 true love of God. Because He loved you first. Because He loved you first. Can everybody just stand with me and just bow your heads and just close your eyes for a minute? And I want you just to get real for a minute, just you and God, nobody else. Nobody's gonna be looking around. And I wanna pray specifically for two groups of people tonight. The first one is this. You've heard about us talking about a loving God and you've thought, man, I've never experienced that. You've heard us talk about a savior tonight and the need for him and all the amazing things that he's done to show us his love. And you thought, I've, I haven't experienced that. I don't know what you're talking about. And if that's you tonight, just between you and God, would you just slip up your hand? Just between you and God. And I just wanna pray for you. And we're all gonna say it together. Thank you, thank you. You can take it down when you're done. I just wanna pray for you. And we're gonna repeat it because we're a family. And we're gonna ask God to come in and heal you and do a work in your life. So can we do that right now? I want you guys to repeat after me, everybody. God, tonight, I want to experience your love for me. I confess I need a Savior. And I choose to follow you tonight. I choose to believe that I am who you say I am. And from this night on, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name. And number two, if you're in here tonight and you have not experienced the love of God, or maybe you have, but it's been a long time and you need Him to break off some shame and some fear off of you and to remind you about the truth of who He says you are, that you're His child, that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that there is nothing that you could do to separate you from Him, that He will always, always love you. I wonder if you just lift your hands. We're gonna go into worship, but I'm gonna pray before we do that because I believe in the power of prayer and that the Holy Spirit is gonna touch your heart right where you need Him to. So God, I thank You that You are a God of love and that You love us so desperately that You're willing to run to the ends of the earth to find us wherever we may find ourselves. And tonight, God, would You just pour out Your love on Your kids? Would each person in the room, God, just feel your love poured out on them tonight. Holy Spirit, I ask that you break down every wall of fear, every wall of shame, every wall of judgment in this room. And that right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would fill us with peace. You would fill us with rest and assurance in the promise of salvation and love in you because you're good 
and we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.